Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming Allison McCauley to the show today. She is the CEO and founder of consultancy Unblocked Future. She is also the best-selling author of Unblocked, How Blockchains Will Change Your Business, and a contributor to Forbes, where she writes about the impact of emerging technology on our world. Before turning her focus to blockchains and the related family of technologies, Allison had been concentrating her work with early stage teams in data science and analytics, IoT, cybersecurity, and artificial intelligence. She also advocates for the thoughtful development and communication of emerging tech and works to raise blockchain literacy among non-technologists, including me. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thanks so much, Tiffany. It's great to be here. The smarty pants, those are a lot of things that, you know, some people are uh, intimidated by, but we're going to get into that in a second. Before Mm. we get into the conversation, we're going to start with bullish and bearish. Bullish, you're for it. Bearish, you're against it. Are you ready? Yes. Hit me. All right. First one. Okay. Robotic exoskeletons. Oh, Uh, I'm super excited about that. I think it's going to be a long time. I saw a um, a ex, uh, some robotic stuntmen the other day on video, and I just wanted a robotic exoskeleton so I could do those stunts. <laughs> so you're bullish. I'm taking that as a bullish. I'm just excited to use one. <laughs> okay. Let's go with that. All right. So excited. Bullish, bearish, or excited? Excited is a new category. All, All right. right. Second one. Virtual travel experiences. Oh, yeah. I actually have been doing those of late, and I it's certainly not the same thing, but if you put yourself in the right mindset, right mindset it can transport you. So I'm going to say bullish, especially now. <laughs> okay. All right. And the third one, a little more fun. And while this podcast will not publish today... Uh, I'm going to ask, are you bullish or bearish on rescue dogs? <laughs> bullish. Yeah. I think that uh, ev- everyone should uh, grab a, a rescue dog as, as soon as they can. <laughs> so today is National Rescue Dog Day, although the day we're recording this, but it won't air for a little bit. So, uh, And also you have two rescue dogs. Sitting right here with me. Fantastic. And of course they rescued you. That's <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's quite mutual. Quite mutual. All right. So let's get into the to the nitty gritty. So, you know, I, I did a panel, hmm, had to be maybe five years ago, four years ago at an event in San Francisco. And somehow I got on a panel with very smart women um, to talk about machine learning and AI and blockchain. And I don't know why I was mm-hmm. on the panel to sort of define for people what that meant. And, and you know, it was it was a uh, Pacific Business Women's Conference in San Francisco. There's probably 7,000 people there. And our session had maybe 2,000 that had showed up to listen to this conversation about what are these technologies. Yeah. And it was fascinating, right, to try to uh, describe to people who are not in the thick of technology in that way, sort of what these things are. So I would love your, in your, you know, helping and literacy around, around non-technologists understanding what blockchain is, how would you describe it? Yeah, I think it's really important to understand the fundamentals behind it. And there's a lot of techno babble that keeps people out. And there's a lot of confusion in the space. And it is a very complex space. 
But I like to make an analogy and speak about it at a high level and make an analogy with the internet. So if we were thinking about how the internet had an impact, what it essentially did, it essentially made it cheaper, faster, and easier to communicate data, right? At the end of the day, all these amazing business models that were birthed from it are about communicating data easier and cheaper and faster. And so if we then look at blockchain from the same lens, it will make it cheaper and easier and faster to verify that data is true. And that is going to be the essence that will bring about new models and change and new ways of doing things. Yeah. And I, and I would tell you that I sort of said at the beginning that it's kind of intimidating, right? And you were saying kind of keep people out and you know, until I actually sat on the panel myself. I mean, it was, that's why I was sort of laughing about the fact that I was on the panel because I was like, I was listening going, oh, great. Now I understand <laughs> because sometimes it is so, uh, it's the little subtleties behind the technology. So maybe you could give a, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic um, and how, how blockchain has maybe been utilized from a, a you know whether it's supply chain uh, sustainability you know where you've seen these interesting use cases of blockchain that people may not actually understand is what is powering that kind of you know service that they're receiving yeah we're really early stage and so what we're seeing is a lot of uh, experiments or things moving to early production where we can see where the change is going, but it's not necessarily hitting everyday lives. So it's in a portion of a business process or it's very back office. So it's going to be a long time before we see these things, but there really is going to be impact and there is impact being worked on in every single industry and sector. So we're, you know, as you mentioned, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now and we're seeing all sorts of problems with our supply chains as a result. So we're seeing a lot of different areas where our digital infrastructure is seeing challenges. It's breaking and we're seeing it breaking in our supply chains, as you mentioned, where we're not able to get the products we need where we need them. We're not able to know that the suppliers we're working with can be trusted. We're trying to work with new partners. These are areas where this technology can make a difference. We're seeing a need, for example, for more contactless interactions. Wouldn't it be amazing if um, machines could be more supportive of us by um, doing transactions or interactions, um, robot, you know, contactless robotics, delivering us food, um, other, other ways where they could support us. Um, we're seeing contact tracing being a really big piece of um, technology that's being depended upon by governments and workplaces to open up. Yet at the same time, to use contact tracing apps, we have to give up a lot of privacy, data privacy. So there's a tension there. Um, blockchain allows, gives us tools to protect our data and to use it without giving it up. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that this, the tools that are in blockchain technology could help us build out a stronger digital infrastructure that while it may not be ready for us right away, over time, it could help us. It could help us get through 
black swan events, whether it's a next pandemic or, or something else, um, as well as help us with our day-to-day operations. Well, so, you know, I, I saw something um, before all this kind of happened around the food supply chain and using blockchain to actually see where food was coming from. Yeah. And so even like farm to table, or if there's something that goes wrong in the food supply chain to actually be able to trace back where it came from. Uh, and so, you know, I work for Salesforce, obviously, and we've embedded it now in many ways in CRM so that you can be able to follow, you know, the supply chain, even from the se- the selling motions. So it, it's, I, you know, once I kind of started to hear those types of use cases, I think I felt less intimidated by understanding what it was like, oh, I get it. Like, you know, kind of these handoffs along the way and then being able to trace back, I think is, is really important. Um, and, and you meant, and, you know, I mentioned the supply chain and, and you sort of um, dug deeper into that. And it's interesting. I, uh, it was, PwC had done um, some research on supply chain of how many companies are actually going to look to replace their s- suppliers in the supply chain or their vendors. And it was like 32%. And I tweeted that out thinking, wow, you know, this is opportunity on the supply chain side, whatever. And it was very interesting, the comments I got, I ended up taking the tweet down because people were like, really like capitalizing on this, like businesses are going out of business and they're talking about the supply chain. And I go, you know, in 200 characters, it's really hard to put context around why I said Mm -hmm. it. Um, But I think that there's, you know, there's so much opportunity here uh, to actually, I mean, I wonder how many businesses could actually say piece by piece, part by part, where things all come from, you know, and, and this is where I think this, this kind of technology has huge value. Well, look how complex and tangled our supply chains are, how global they are. And you, when products move from organization to organization or they cross borders, there's actually a lot of paperwork that is still is happening in the organization and it's really manual. If we want things to move faster through a supply chain, we really have to move to even more digitization. But how do you, when you have so many different players in an ecosystem that are involved and that are touching things, how do you trust? And so that's where blockchain can really help because it can provide transparency and visibility and auditability when you've got multiple partners that may have competing interests all working on the same thing or all touching the same thing. And so it, you know, and especially this is a really interesting space too, when you combine that kind of traceability where you can see where something came from and you can trace its entire journey and understand if business rules were followed as it moved through that journey it can be um, also combined with IoT sensors. And IoT sensors, the sensors we have today can do all sorts of things. They can sense temperature, velocity, tilt, pressure. So think about some of the sensitive foods or equipment, uh, lab equipment or pharmaceuticals that are moving through the supply chain where you can know where there was a point of failure and trace it back to that or know if something was was uh, the temperature was too hot in a shipping container as it moved through. And you can then know that the product was faulty from that. Or maybe you don't release payment if the shipper, if the sh- if you can show that the shipper didn't keep it at the right temperature, then they lose, lose their payment. Um, so there's a lot of different things that you can tie into this to create even more automation than we've ever seen before and more safety. So if I'm, you know, listening to this, podcast and I'm, let's just say I'm a marketer or I'm a seller. Um, I think part of the challenge around blockchain is just flat out misunderstanding 
what it is and what the value is. And I, you know, outside of people who really get it like you, right. And so if I'm listening, I'm guessing that the art of marketing and selling blockchain, if you're a vendor who has a solution in that area is probably challenging right now. Yeah. And I, I don't think we should be selling blockchain just like we shouldn't be you know, selling internet <laughs> or it, we need to be, fo and that's a real problem that happens in this space because it is a lot of the marketing is extremely tech centric right now. And it, it can make sense because we're working at the infrastructure, the, the plat you know, underlying technology layer right now. But really we need to be thinking about the space, uh, about how to speak to business value. I'm interested in the features and the functionality that blockchain provides people. And that's what we need to be focusing on. And we all know that blockchain will have succeeded. And you can't see me, but I'm using these air quotes right now because, you know, how do we measure success? But we'll know that it's a thing or that has really made it and really been adopted and integrated when we stop using the word like this. Um, it's, you know, this is, this is, this is a tool. And I, I want to focus and I want people to be focused more on what it does for them. How does it give them trust? How does it give them transparency? How does it give them visibility? Um, how can it, um, it, it enable us to do new things? Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, the word, uh, I think right now, it's sort of like saying AI or BI or VR yeah. or AR or whatever sort of term you want to use. Yeah, where's uh, the so what? <laughs> where's the so what, right? And so from a value perspective, what do you think, you know, is, is so what if I'm a small business and I'm going, I've never considered using blockchain. I don't even know what that is, right? Remember, let's go back to the beginning of people are like, I don't know what it is. Now, maybe they understand a little bit more. I know I understand a little bit more. And so then we say, okay, I'm in. What would be the first step to saying, is there a play here for me, my business, my small business to use some of these technologies that Allison's describing in my own you know, day to day, what would be your answer? It's going to be a long time. So right now, this is a new technology. It's still new. We're still learning how to use it. Best practices have not emerged for how, how to use it. We're starting to, but it's really hard. Um, it's also an ecosystem play. So where you're finding a lot of the movement forward that's happening is large players with lots of money are getting together in consortiums and looking at ways they can solve an industry problem with this technology. So, for example, you talked about food. There are many consortiums with tons of major brands that are working on raising food safety across their entire ecosystem with blockchain technology. And that's where a lot of the learning is happening. That's where we're making a lot of more forward movement. The small players that are involved are startups that are working to do disruptive things with this technology. So, but in terms of a, you know, a mid-size, a small to mid-size business looking at how can I make use of this, it's going to take some time because we need to get to the point where the we know how to use the technology really well. There's a, a clear path to ROI. We have package solutions that and off-the-shelf solutions and services that businesses can um, make use of. And then that gets extremely exciting because then you can use this functionality to do some pretty amazing things as a smaller business, but it's going to take a long, long, long time. 
Um, and what is interesting is that, I mean, there are, there are some interesting examples. Like if you take a pharma and there's some, there's a bunch of pilots that have happened in the pharma supply chain that have involved both small, uh, smaller manufacturers and larger manufacturers. And so they're using the same infrastructure and backbone and they're piloting how to use this technology. So the smart players that are working on building consortiums to use this are understanding how do we make this work for both small and large players. But um, again, it's early. So would every business want to plug into that? Not really, no. So um, it's you know, give it some time. And it will be able to do amazing things, but we need a lot of patience for this develop, to develop. So then what would be on your horizon? You know, the name of the podcast is What's Next. And so if, if blockchain is a longer term play, you know, when you start getting into the maybe smaller and mid, mid businesses or even at an individual contributor level, right? What, what technologies in the shorter term have you excited that you feel like uh, both people and companies and brands are not leveraging to the, its full capacity or value at this point. So the stuff that's ha that's in production right now looks really back office, right? So you might see trade settlement where tr that can happen so much faster because of what the technology offers. Or you'll see something like if you look at... Um, Let's look at insurance, the insurance industry, and imagine cargo insurance, shippers, and imagine ships that, you know, move in and out of different risk conditions, in and out of a war zone, in and out of weather. Their risk profile is changing all the time. So to be able to put that on a blockchain and to be able to dynamically adjust premiums based on actual risk is pretty exciting, but still kind of back office, right? So those are the kinds of things that we're seeing happening right now that are moving into production. Then what happens is once you have that underlying infrastructure, and we kind of saw this with the internet too, once you have that in place and the back office stuff is you know, really, really started to build out, what you can build on top of that is where we'll start to see it hitting our everyday lives. Because once you have that basic infrastructure in place, then you can do exciting new things with it that would actually hit a consumer. Yeah, and I think that's what gets challenging. You know, some people are like, oh, I don't really understand AI. I'm just picking on AI as an example. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, well, have you, you know, entered something into a Google search bar? And it kind of finishes it for you. Exactly. Yeah. And this is what we're going back to earlier, where are we going to be using the word blockchain? Are we going to be using the word AI? Are we just going to be living our lives and they're going to be dramatically different because these technologies are supporting us? Well, for those of us in Silicon Valley, right, we talk about the technology, <laughs> like, right? It's, and it's a problem. It's... This is a problem. This is, you know, it makes it scary. And, you know, I, this is actually, if I could get, I, what worries me about this is that technologists have our, you know, inner circle speak, but these things are now broken out of, of technology, they are breaking into every single part of all of our lives. And so it's really important that the layman who's not in technology understands 
uh, and has some ability to make decisions around and influence and help shape the technologies that will influence them and the, that shape them. So it's really important that as technologists, we make more of an effort to help explain what this is, explain how it impacts people so they can be a part of helping to understand how it's governed, how it's built, and make better decisions about how it gets involved in our lives. And I'm seeing an intersection, an increasing intersection. I'm really happy to see it around um, public good and public interest and technology. There's a, a new new momentum around an area called public tech and public interest tech, and that is really combining. You know, how do we build technology that also brings social good? and public good, I think it's a really important area that we need to dig into. Yeah, and, and and I think that this is where it has, I have, I'm excited about it, right? When technology, people often ask me, like, what am I most excited about with technology? And I'm always like, it's not the individual technology that gets me excited because I'm not a technologist in that way. Like, I'm not a coder, I'm not an engineer. Like, that. that's not what gets me excited. What gets me excited is, how all this amazing technology will change people's lives for the better, whether it's the robotic exoskeleton, right, that we talked about yeah. during Bullish and Bearish of helping people who can't walk or are recovering from an injury or, you know, have some something else going on that this will really help them become more mobile in their lives, whether it's, you know, virtual reality to help train people for, um, bias? Is it, you know, using blockchain to be able to track where food is to make sure that it's safe and like all those things, like just making our lives as humans and as renters on this planet, <laughs> like to just make us, you know, better. Uh, that's what gets me excited. It, but there's a big maybe because technology is just technology. It executes as designed. And so what's really important is that we develop, we design it very thoughtfully and we understand every technology is a tool, right? And it can be used as a weapon. The pencil in my hand is technology in a way. And that can be used as a tool. I can use it to write beautiful things or I can use it as a weapon. We need to understand more about how we can design and govern technology to ensure that we embed the rules so that it executes to bring out the best in us. It's a mirror of us. So let's use it to bring out the best in humanity and, and, and not amplify the worst. And this is a, it's a very pivotal moment at the beginning of any foundational technology to develop standards in how, it's, um, how, how it will unfold. And so this is an extremely important time at the dawn of a new foundational technology for more people to understand it and demand what, what we need in, from the technology. It can do wonderful things. Technology, I'm so, um, I have a protopian viewpoint where I believe that we'll slowly, through technology, can move to a, a better future. There's some you know, macro, macro challenges ahead, but, but technology will help us if we know how to design it correctly, if we're careful about that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that this is where the human side of technology, I mean, we actually have somebody in our company that is the chief humane use and ethical use of technology officer. Literally. That's wonderful. Right? Just may to make may sure every that... technology company follow that lead. Yeah. And, and I, I hope so. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, luckily we have a very vocal CEO who shares what, yeah. 
what we do and and sort of why we have it. And it was really, you know, we we actually had something around AI where the entire research team that is developing all kinds of AI tools for us, as well as for the broader market and things around natural language processing and taking unstructured data and then making it structured and then using AI and, you know, putting the key points into the CRM system. I mean, really trying to push the envelope on that voice to actionable insight using technology. One of the th- one of the developments was sort of across the line. It was into an area we felt was, and we meaning you know the research team and the executives. Not I was not included in this decision, um, but it was you know the company felt that it was uh, not a- an ethical use, right? It, that there was some danger behind how it could possibly be used from there, and the project was killed. So you know that's the kind of rigor you have to put a behind things like this, because it needs to be going back to what I said, right? For the betterment, um, even if it's not well understood initially, that, that that needs to be the intention behind it. And this is really hard work because you have to think ahead and it's usually uncharted water. So you have to understand how are people going to interact in this future that we're working to project? It's, it's very difficult. And that's, if we think about um, technology kind of it, it, the space can be insular. We need more social scientists and other disciplines that are working in technology, coming into the field and um, creating discourse and helping us understand uh, more about designing for a future that we all want. Yeah, and I remember it was a number of years back, like Harvard Business Review, the cover article was uh, data scientists is the new sexy job. And I'm like, well, okay, that now that's a first, right? But it, it's... <laughs> It's all around this. It's it's really all around, um, uh, you know, a very good friend of mine, Nancy Duarte, who's been on the show, and she's written a uh, book recently that came out a couple months ago called Data Story. And it was really literally all about, because she's sort of the storyteller of the Valley, a master yeah. storyteller and helps everyone. And she's like, look, there's so much data out there. How many data scientists have to present that data to try to get executives to action? But just because they have the data and the data is telling a data-driven story, that doesn't always resonate with everybody, right? You have to be able to tell a story that has, you know, a hero, a villain, and and within data, you're like, okay, I don't even know what that means if you said that to a data scientist. So she wrote the book, Data Story, on how to tell the story that the data is sharing with you so that you can get people to actually do what you're hoping they're going to do because of what they're seeing in the data, right? Like, well, if we keep doing this, uh, you know, we're going to have no trees by this. So we need to do that. Well, you can't then say, I looked at the data and it tells me we're not going to have any trees and I'm just going to keep doing it anyway. Like, you know, this is so-, so important. And it's really what we're talking about too, is it's a mashup of skills. So data scientists to be effective need to be able to tell a story, you know, and they also need to understand the ethics of the stories they tell to make sure it's true to the data. It's we're, we're pushing towards the need to have more um, people who, who are working in technology that have a broader range of skills and really doing mashups of, of all these dis- different disciplines and thinking in order to do it right and to do it effectively. Absolutely. Well, this has been like, I've had a great time because I feel like I'm much smarter about <laughs> these technologies that I'm always, you know, it, it's like when people go, well, what's the difference between big data and, you know, or machine learning and deep learning? And I'm like, <laughs> not sure. 
However, I'm sure there's some fantastic, <laughs> smart person out there like Allison who can help me understand. So, you know, thank you so much for sharing time with us today on the What's Next podcast. I, I hope everybody found these insights valuable and, you know, um, and learned something uh, as I did. But how can people sort of keep in touch with you and follow what you're doing besides, of course, buying your book Unblocked? Uh, because I think that's a great place to start. How can they keep in touch with you, Allison? I'm on Twitter at Unblocked Future and LinkedIn at slash Unblocked. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today. And, you know, stay safe. Enjoy your two rescue puppies. And I, I look forward thank to keeping you. in touch. It was so great talking to you. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation with Allison. I feel like I got a masterclass in definitions of all these emerging technologies that are reshaping the way we conduct business, supply chain, selling and marketing uh, around uh, cybersecurity and analytics and IoT and blockchain. I hope you found it as educational as I did. I thought that was awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the show today. Please subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. I appreciate you spending time with us. Have a great rest of your day.